Hello, dear ones, and welcome to Subtle Medicine Radio, brought to you by InnerSpark. This is the resource for all things holistic healing, natural living, conscious relating, epic life changing, and spirituality, all steeped in earth-based wisdom. We're your hosts, Devin. And I'm Mike. On today's show, episode 13, we're discussing embodiment and movement practices for growth and healing. What the hell embodiment even is, the importance of impulsive movement explorations, and how to nurture emotional fluidity for overall health and well-being. Let's dive in. All right, sounds good. All right, so let's get started. Just kind of a basic overview of embodiment and movement and why they matter. In Western culture in particular, we are basically taught to disconnect from the body at a very young age. We value intellect over feeling and sensing and doing over being. We're also in a culture that is obsessed with how the body looks over how it feels. We beat the physical body into submission with grueling workouts. We have that whole no pain, no gain mentality. And most of us were taught exercise as a punishment or that it's for a grade. And oftentimes in conditions that were downright humiliating. Hello, junior high school locker rooms for PE. So add on top of that any kind of physical or emotional stress or trauma. And we have the perfect conditions for disassociating from the body and retreating into a space of hyper-intellectualism. Yeah, so this is bringing up something that I'm very passionate about, and it might be a little left field and maybe kind of off topic, but it it is going with the main theme here. All right. Uh, If I can kind of just give my own little, I don't know what you would call it, PSA, my own little Please, please, please. I love it. You're all riled up. Yeah, I am. So when you mentioned Western culture, one of the things that comes to mind for me is how difficult it is to critique a culture that you are a part of because often we're so close to things that we don't appreciate how strange some of our behaviors might be. Mm-hmm. You know, things that we take for granted and consider normal uh, to somebody outside our culture, they might have a different perspective on it and be like, wow, why do you people do these things? So that's something that's fascinated me for a long time, especially as a kid, uh, as a teenager, I guess, noticing the absence of like rite of passage for manhood and wondering if I was missing out on that. Uh, I know, you know, more traditional cultures have all kinds of different rite of passage things. And I wondered if in America we were missing out on those things. So that's what brought that to my attention. And as I looked into that more deeply, I saw that we really do have a lot more. You just have to be aware of it. Um, But one of the things is definitely separating ourselves from our body. Mm -hmm. That is something that a lot of our rituals, like you mentioned the the locker room for, you know, kids in school. That's a rite of passage kind of thing, you know? And it's one of those things that separates us from our body and puts us into our thoughts and into our... I wouldn't even say thoughts, more like our ideas, because we're not even in touch with our thoughts and feelings so much when we go through these things. And when you look at even a lot of traditional rite of passages, they're kind of the same thing. A lot of manhood tests and manhood ceremonies in more traditional cultures are a conquering of fear and the body and pain. So it's driving yourself out of the body and into this idea of a goal that I am a certain way, I'm going to go through this ritual, detach myself from my body, and become something better. Mm. So, like, we watched a, a documentary 
a while ago about, you know, some uh, Pacific Islanders who scarred themselves, and that looked really painful, you know? And we might think that that is a strange rite of passage, but we have the same things in our culture. They're just in a different shape, in a different form, and they're more subtle. You know, every time that we tell our kids to stop crying, things like that, instead of, you know, processing their feelings and figuring out what's going on. And I'll, you know, wrap it up because this is something that I'm very passionate about. But when we look at traditional versus modern or East versus West or Dharma versus Adharma, a lot of the differences are just things that we make up that just seem different superficially. And when you get right down to it, we, at speaking as Americans, are the cultural descendants of the Puritans. And even if you come from different countries and maybe you're a few generations, when you're assimilated into American society, Society, you take on a lot of those puritanical standards. So we're still living with that. And just to give an example, the thing that I feel very passionately about is circumcision. You know, that's something that I would be very interested to see what does that kind of experience do to someone from a very young age, you know? And it's just one of those examples of something that we have in our society that has these roots to a very traditional way of doing things that we might take for granted. So yeah, my point is we have a lot of things in our culture that separate us from our body that we might not appreciate because we're too close to it. Yeah, thank you for, for presencing that. <clears throat> and so in doing that, as I said, we retreat into a space of hyper-intellectualism and valuing intellect over feeling and sensing and valuing doing over being and definitely has this roots. its roots in separation from the body. And this is how dis-ease breeds. This is how we forget about pleasure and the sensorial experience of being a human. This is how we become addicted to quick fixes of pleasure that actually leave us feeling more depleted in the long run. So practicing intentional embodiment and conscious movement is an entryway back into the physical body. The physical body is where truth lives. The mind contains a version of truth Yes, and it can often lead us astray if it's the only piece of us that's leading the show. When the physical body, anchored in its beautiful sensorial abilities and engaging fully with the tangible world, isn't fully online, the poor mind works on overdrive and we get swept up in a disembodied half-truth. So we feel empty and numb and void and insatiably hungry for life all at the same time. And this can lead us to feeling purposeless and lost and helpless. And on the physical level, this is where all physical ailments come from. The subtle creates the gross and the subtle dysfunctions and misalignments on the emotional, mental, and spiritual levels manifest in the physical body and in our tangible lives. And we've had cues all along and because we have been writing, doing, over being, and thinking over feeling and not fully inhabiting the physical body, we've missed them. So what is the answer here? Intentional embodiment and conscious movement. The difference between exercise and movement, for example, is subtle yet profound. And I dislike using the word exercise because of the various connotations we have associated with it and because many of us are exercising for the wrong reasons that are actually putting a wedge further between us and our bodies. 
Movement, intentional movement, is different. It values feeling and sensing over anything else, and it serves as a bridge among mind, body, and spirit. Movement allows us to become fully embodied, and by fully embodied, I mean noticing your sensorial experience, noticing your bodily needs, feeling your body from the inside out and outside in, observing the subtle interplay between your environment and your physical body, your thoughts and your physical body, and your emotions and your physical body. So using the body as the anchor, translator, and messenger that it is allows us to find more ease and presence. And this can be applied to any type of thing that you might be doing that would traditionally be called exercise. It's really the intentionality behind it and the presence that you're bringing to it. And this really helps us to reconnect to the physical body and to pick up on these cues that we might have been missing when things are out of alignment. Staying close to the body helps us to to process those subtle realms that are clogged and blocking us from inhabiting the body and blocking us from being a fully integrated being. And so engaging in embodiment and conscious movement helps emotional fluidity. And when the emotional body is fluid and flowing and we're feeling and processing, that is using our true power. Emotions are energy that must keep moving. However, when we stifle this flow and suppress emotions, the energy becomes stagnant and then lives in our body. Thighs, hips, stomach, and shoulders are some key places that they wind up living. Through practicing intentional embodiment and conscious movement and engaging in this physical body dialogue, we inevitably become better observers of our emotions and allow them to flow as they so desire because we feel more grounded and safe to allow this natural flow because we are anchored in our physical bodies. So it's like sometimes when we're swept up in emotion, it, it can feel like we are just kind of adrift at sea and lost and just swept up and ah. And when we're really anchored in the body and feeling like, where does this live? What is happening? And really observing that energetic flow gets to happen. The emotion keeps going and we're safe. It's like we're on shore. We found a little island that we can retreat to while the storm is passing in the ocean of life. I'm so poetic right now. Okay. When that component is missing, we may fear our emotions or feel ashamed of them and allow them to become suppressed because we are numbed out of the physical harm that they are inflicting. So we just don't even really see what's happening. We're like not totally here. When we're more deeply connected to the physical body, we can feel into the dis-ease and the stagnation that is building and we feel more grounded and anchored and less like we'll get swept up in a way in a fit of strong emotion. This is yet another example of how embodiment serves us as a tool for multi-level healing. So I have a question, if I can just pause you real quick. I was thinking about how, going back to the rite of passage thing, and how I see those rites of passage as like a test. When you have conquered your emotions and successfully separated yourself from your body and from your feelings and live completely in your own ideas, then you're an adult. You know, then you're capable <laughs> of functioning in society. And I can think about those things in terms of like manhood ceremonies and the subject of circumcision is something I have very strong opinions about that won't get into here, but all those things are thought of from a boy's perspective. And I was wondering about this terrible 
irony that I'm just having an insight into right now about girls and what it must be like to both have to separate yourself from your body and your feelings and yet also being judged and valued based on your body. How does that relate into what you're talking about? Because there may be people who have been traumatized into separating themselves from their body and have this difficult connection because if you're telling me to reconnect with my body and yet I've associated my body with all these body traumas of judgment and shame and things like that, that might sound like something that I don't want to do. Sure. And a lot of us, for a variety of reasons, might feel like we don't want to do this. They're, like you brought up with these kind of puritanical beliefs, it's it's deeply ingrained in us from such a young age that the body is, like, shameful. Right. Right? And it's something that needs to be... The flesh is weak. Yeah, and it's something that needs to be, like, um, you know, watched and managed and control your weight, manage your weight, do this, do that, and, and kind of... So it's like an ornament versus a vehicle and also something that that is shamed and shameful not trusted and not trusted right and then you know another reason is if those of us have endured physical or sexual trauma then yeah the body doesn't feel safe even if it wasn't physical or sexual trauma just trauma in general in our life the body and and our life our, our being here in this existence on earth doesn't feel safe it doesn't feel like something that we want to do so these are all further compounding things that pile up that drive us further into this pseudo safety of hyper intellectualism where I'm just gonna like live in my head and be super super smart and um, I know personally in my own experience that has definitely been a a defense mechanism for me Um, especially when I was younger and meeting new people, I I would kind of hide behind my intellect and my smarts and would love if I came across like intimidating because it's like, good, I don't, I don't want you to get in anyway. You can't hang with me. You're not smart enough. (laughs) Like whatever the case was. And I've certainly done all the things to numb out of my body. And when we do this, it's really out of a space of fear and control and also not wanting to feel the feelings that are right underneath the surface that are living in our bodies. And so for me, it was all about, well, how, how numb can I keep being? And how much of a wedge can I just drive further in between me and this wretched, horrid body that I have to live in? I'm like in a prison. And it was booze and it was smoking, you know, tobacco, especially as a sacred plant teacher, the original tobacco before, you know, Philip Morris and friends got a hold of cigarettes and yeah. <laughs> turned them into poison sticks. It's, it's a very grounding um, medicinal plant teacher. So I can see now in hindsight why smoking was such a, a thing for me and needing that ground. And it was food and, and yeah, so all, all of these things to kind of pacify the body with these quick fixes that actually left me feeling more depleted and more disconnected in the long run. And as a female, I like what you brought up that was interesting. We are taught to be so disconnected regardless of sex, gender right but so much of your value but so much of my i am told my value and my worth is based on my ass and tits you know and how they're looking so it's it's been difficult (laughs) i can imagine yeah (laughs) it's been difficult and like i said add on top of that just 
the various traumas and it's it's hard and so I, I can't speak for every woman I'll just speak for myself it it adds to the anxiety of the needing to control and that control is such an illusion because I don't have control over over this body she is certainly wiser and more ancient than me and this sacred matter that she is made of of mother earth that has been here for so long in so many different forms it's it's you know, trying to control her is like trying to control the wind. So it breeds anxiety, it breeds exhaustion. A lot of people that I see that have some varying degree of adrenal weakness also deal with this on a very big level, and that's that's been part of my story for sure. Very dysfunctional glandular system and endocrine imbalance and hormonal imbalance as a result of having this low-grade chronic story running in the back of my head my whole life. So... That is something to think about. And I invite you listening to feel into that. Like, where where do you feel that? Because I think that it's, it's true for men. We're obsessed with how the body looks. And we're told that this is so much of our worth. Yet we're also taught to disconnect. Right. So that little paradox. So yeah, I invite you to feel feel into that. And where do you notice the effects of this living in your body and in your life? So lovingly coming back into the body is the medicine, and that is the practice, and intentional conscious movement and loving embodiment. And I have a few practices that I would really love to share. And this is a lifelong practice and a daily practice, a multiple times a day practice. It's not meant to be difficult and it's not meant to be overwhelming. It really should just feel like a delightful day at the beach. You are re-inhabiting your sacred home. So... I have three little practices I would love to share with you. The first one is simply noticing your body. Check in and notice your physical body. And if you're not driving or, you know, out walking or running or anything, you can join me for this right now. You close your eyes and breathe and just take a few moments to really tune in and notice and just just listen, listen in. Listen to sensation and notice. Are you hungry? Are you thirsty? Are you aching anywhere? Are you tired? Do you have to use the restroom? What does your physical body need from you right now? And it's amazing how many of us can't answer that question very confidently or in a in a kind of, you know, quick way. Like you can answer, you know, what color are your lover's eyes? Can you can you answer that? Can you answer what does your body need with the same kind of quickness and certainty? So just begin practicing and and this one use many times a day use it just notice and tune in begin building that relationship back building that self-trust and that self-confidence the second one is impulsive move movement and your emotions and again you will start this one the same way closing your eyes and checking in and noticing sensations in the body becoming very clear and present and anchored and grounded. And then notice any emotions that are present for you. And without thinking or judging or criticizing, allow your physical body to simply begin to move in response to this emotion. So you're allowing yourself to follow the impulse to move and stay connected to breath and bodily sensation and feel the emotion arise and move and shift and change and keep moving and following the impulse to move in response to this emotion. One of the things that I had brought up in a previous episode was feeling hungry and not being in touch with my body enough to interpret that sense of hunger. Something that you've mentioned at the dinner table is that, what was it, think about broccoli? Mm. If, if you think about broccoli and you are still like, yeah, I could eat broccoli right now. If you're hungry enough to eat some steamed broccoli, then yes, you are hungry. 
Okay, because people don't eat steamed broccoli as a uh, comfort food, so... Well, typically, yes. Right. I mean, that's, I mean, I that's, that's a comfort food for me. I, I freaking love broccoli. So, you know, <laughs> right, so my point is that you can have cues like that. You can have questions that you ask yourself to know if you are interpreting a healthy signal right now, such as my body just needs food, or if you're doing something out of comfort. How maybe when you're talking about uh, exercise as punishment and things like that, and how how do we recognize when our physical movements, our exercises, things like that are healthy? Are there any similar cues or self-questions that we can ask? Like, this is something that I've been coming into quite recently, actually, is with running. Like, why? Why am I pushing myself so hard? Why do I want to run five miles? Is it a goal? Is it something? Sure, why not? But you know, when I listen to my body, I don't, I'm not a competitive athlete. I don't have to push myself so hard and my body is much happier and my weight is fine and I'm not having any negative side effects and I'm taking it a lot easier in my workouts. But when I do not trust myself and I don't trust my body, then I might be afraid that that taking it easy is actually laziness creeping in. And because I have a lifetime of don't trust your body, get an idea about working out, and then follow that idea until you complete it. That has nothing to do with my actual physical health or condition. So it's hard for me to go from that kind of a lifetime of programming into a more intuitive sort of feeling into what my body needs. So basically my question is, how do we be less analytical? Do you hmm. have any cues or questions that one might ask oneself? when trying to figure that out. That's interesting. You want to be less analytical, yet you're you're looking for ways to analyze. Well, sure. You're looking for you know, the, the cues and the questions to ask so I can self-analyze. No, I'm, I'm giving you a hard time. Yeah. I, I understand the question, and that's a fabulous question. And that really comes down to knowing ourselves and, con and being in a continual state of self-inquiry and just being fascinated by all levels of yourself and loving all of them and welcoming, welcoming them all to be part of this inner cast of characters and knowing your tendencies and really listening to the body. So you and I are opposite in the way that you tend to be a little bit more, I don't want to say lazy, but like you're more kapha and for anyone listening who understands you know uh, ayurvedic constitutions if not that's cool too kapha you're more grounded you're more you wouldn't mind like sleeping all day long and and yummying and cozying I mean, i've always yeah. been the like driven competitive fiery one and so i know my tendency is to push past my body Whereas Mike's tendency might be to be like, hey man, I'll do it later, I'll do it tomorrow. I, I will err on the side of laziness, which is why I don't trust myself so much and why I have all these mechanisms built up. Of, right. You know, I so can't listen to myself. It really, it boils down to knowing your tendencies and knowing yourself. And the best way to, to understand your body is to simply ask him or her what he or she needs. And this practice that I just gave, and this is a perfect segue into the third and final practice, but this practice I just gave where you're moving in response to an emotion, this allows you to know where you are at any given moment on all levels physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually, and knowing what the body needs in order to process and respond in a manner that is nourishing and fulfilling and really sweeping this energy through you and moving through you. So the more that you practice these things, and you might feel silly as fuck when you first <laughs> try them. I mean, truly, you might. If this is brand new to you, 
and you know you got this inner critic it might feel silly it might be like this is not what is this this is stupid this is whatever it is and keep leaning into the body the mind is beautiful i am not poo-pooing the mind i love the mind love it and it needs its counterpart it needs its friend the body period that's where the magic comes from so to answer your question babe continue just to, sh to show up and to ask and to lean in and let the body and and the mind communicate and the emotions and the body and the mind communicate and that practice that i just gave and the first one was noticing your body and this third and final one where you would communicate with a body part so just to recap the first one was simply noticing your body tuning in and asking what do you need from me right now are you hungry are you thirsty are you aching etc then it was impulsive movement and your emotion so tuning into an emotion and letting your body move in response to this emotion and just go for it and music is great, it has its place, but when you're doing these particular things, it's lovely if you can just do them with your body and your breath. Because music can tend to influence our movement, and right now this is about you reconnecting and not being influenced by outside influences. Inside out, <laughs> not outside in. Right. Alright, so this third one, communicate with a body part. And again, you would begin the same way, closing your eyes, breathing deeply, turning your senses inward, and tuning into physical sensation in your body. And Scan your body lovingly and slowly and completely from head to toe and toe to head. Is there an area of the body that feels particularly exceptional in some way at the moment? So maybe this is an area that feels disconnected, in pain, hot, cold, or some other way that grabs your attention. And allow your body to come into a posture that mirrors how this body part feels and notice it. And notice how you feel in this posture and then take the posture again into a movement so letting this this body part if possible be the primary driver of this movement exploration so you're learning more about this this body part and there's a reason that it has captured your attention and called to you there's there's something living in there energetically or physically or both because there's really not a difference that has something to share with you and there are so many other exercises and then ways to add creativity to it by taking these sensations and movement explorations into art creation of some kind. And additionally, any movement or exercise that you typically engage in that brings you delight because there is no reason to do something you dislike because you think you should or because it's cool or popular, like Mike's example with running. Any movement that you love or exercise that you love can be done in a more embodied and intentional way. So it's about being with and understanding and nourishing the needs of your body and noticing sensation and noticing your experiences from the inside out and the outside in. And this can all be done doing exercise, quote unquote, that you love. So seek to move your body in ways that are conscious and intentional and in a co-creative fashion that allow your body's innate wisdom to lead and ask yourself what will best serve me what does my body need today and i think that is all the time we have left unless yeah. you have anything else to add babe i love this topic i really do i could keep going and going and i'm sure we will revisit this again at a later time no yeah i think that's all the time we got and i certainly look forward to our follow-ups because I know this is going to come up again and again. Totally. Absolutely. And for now, listener, I simply invite you to reconnect to your sacred vessel and be a witness and allow yourself to be more fully integrated. 
And if you loved the show and want to learn more, be sure to subscribe to it. Please leave us a review on iTunes, share with a friend, and visit www.innerspark.life to learn more. We would love to hear your thoughts or questions, so deepen the conversation with us on social media at InnerSparkLife on Instagram and Facebook. And please catch us next time when we'll discuss what is the mother wound. So much love to you until then.